so what do you think hell is? And you go like, well, it's a place where people, you know, are punished. And you go like, and how long do you think the punishment goes on? And you go like, they say forever. And you go like, huh, can you imagine that? Like a spanking that never ends? <laughs> like, like, does that make any sense to you? Listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Or if you're here for the first time, welcome. And John Wright is with us today. So John, welcome to you too. Thank you. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be with you. I'm I, I just Can I ask you a question? Yes. Are you riding a tandem bicycle again? I am riding a tandem bicycle again. I And uh, the reason I ask is because I saw on on Patreon a picture of you with a tandem bicycle and your lovely wife Marty. And uh I thought to myself immediately, isn't this the bike that gave him that uh sprain in his wrist or whatever it is that you had? It is, but it we, we we've got it sorted out. My wrist is okay. I mean, you okay. know the story of this bike, like that. I, that we had one of these, and when we moved to California, it got stolen out of our garage in California, and it was like the I do biggest that. downer. It just—it was like the symbol of our married connection. <laughs> and when it got stolen, we were like, "This is it. Everything's gone to shit. We're we're doomed." <laughs> um, so I'm um, yeah. So we were just out visiting my mother-in-law in uh, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. A place called Menominee, um, right near Peshtigo, by the way, Peshtigo, Wisconsin, which is the center place of the most terrible fire in American history. Really? Happened on the exact same day as the Chicago fire. And it was much bigger, killed many more people, did much more damage, but nobody knew about it because it wasn't wow. Chicago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a, there's a museum up there, the Peshtigo Fire Museum that um, I have been to. And, Those are some uh, great town names too. Yeah, Menominee, Peshtigo, Marinette—they're all up there. Um, Crazy. But anyway, I was up there. And Marty and I took the tandem up there, and we rode around. And I feel like our well, marriage—our nice. marriage might make it after all. <laughs> yes, you're back. And then last night we drove down back here to Cincinnati, and uh, there was highway construction everywhere we went. I mean, a, a trip that usually takes us nine hours took us twelve and a half. Mm. Yeah. It's brutal. It's a long time in the car, man. It's a long time. Anyway, none of that matters. What matters is that we're here doing this show. And I guess I just, I want to start out with a moment of gratitude because we've been doing this Patreon thing and it's kind of starting to happen in a really cool way. You know, we, we've added some patrons who support the show monthly and you know, this is, I mean, if you like the show, this is the way that we're going to keep the show going. This is the way that we're going to build it up. And, uh, and people are starting to do that. This month, we added new $20 a month supporters. Uh, what's the technical title that we use for those people? Are they partners? Yes. The people at the $20 and above, or I guess at the $20 level, yeah, are, are called partners on there. 
everybody gets a title and they're yeah. partners. Yeah. And I just have to say like, I mean, I, I, and I mean, I'll just tell you who they were. It was my friend, Charles. He knows who he is and he knows I know who he is. And it means a lot to me that he's behind the show. And uh, Elizabeth, who in her note said, AKA Buffy, and that is cool. And Dave Fitzgerald, the who's who's like one of these people who's been supporting the podcast from Jump Street, it feels like. But he jumped up to that level. And uh, and Mike W. It is wonderful to have you too, Mike. And it's really people saying like, this thing that you're doing, keep doing it. And that's it's pretty awesome. Yes, yes. And we also appreciate there there are so many others that joined up at other levels too. Uh, people who joined at the $5 level and who decided, other people who decided to give a buck a month and all of that is really helpful. Yeah, I, I, I love you all. You know, the other thing that people sometimes are thinking like, well, but I want this thing to grow. I want the audience to grow. How do I help? I just was reading an article online and it suggested that getting all of your listeners to rate the podcast on iTunes helps. Huge. They have this five-star rating system. And I guess it takes like a second. Um, and it, it, it helps. So there's that. We're starting to get some listeners. In fact, I think tonight we're going we're gonna to get to hear from a listener who called in on the queue line, the question line. And, uh, and so I just wanted to put it out there that if you want to participate in the show by putting a question out there for us to sort of wrestle with, um, you call 424-291-2092. And that number appears somewhere, doesn't it, John? Yeah, it'll appear on the uh, Humanize Me page on your website and also on Facebook and elsewhere. And there's a little outro now, too, that has it on every show. So oh. um, it'll be also on the show notes as well. Okay, cool. So anyway, I mean, if I understood you right as we were setting up this call, you were like, I've got, I actually got a call on the queue line and we're going to use it. Yeah, it's a good one too. And this one was actually recommended by Bob Cleary. He said this would be a really good question and the guy called in and left it for us. So are you ready to answer it? Yeah, let's go. Hey, so my name is Matt and I uh, guess I'm leaving a question for Bart here. Something happened this last weekend that we had been anticipating May happen at some point and it finally did. My five-year-old son was um, playing with his six-year-old cousin and uh, somehow they got into a conversation about God. Um, I believe this was instigated by the six-year-old cousin because um, his family are regular church attendees and um, you know our family including my son is not. Anyway, in the course of this conversation, my son mentioned that he did not think that God was real, to which his cousin responded by saying that since he did not believe God is real and that he did not go to church, he would be sent to hell by God if he died. And uh, he described hell, of course, as a terrible place with fire and darkness that you don't want to go. And my son kind of angrily responded that uh, he didn't think that was true and did not want to go to such a place. Thankfully, my wife came in on this conversation about that point and kind of broke up the mini battle. Anyway, the next day, my father-in-law, who is the grandfather of both boys, confronted my wife. He basically uh, told her that, in his view, we are 
not teaching our son the truth, and we are leading him astray and down a path that will lead nowhere good, and he feels deeply, you know, hurt on behalf of our son that we are raising him this way. Um, so I guess just kind of a general question about what Bart might recommend for us specifically. I mean, how how should we deal with or should we try and speak with the father-in-law in this case or maybe even, you know, the parents of uh, the boy who was talking to my son? And what that kind of conversation might look like, because uh, this is very new waters for us, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. So um, any help would be appreciated. And thanks for everything you do, Bart. Bye. Wow. That's that's a tough gig. And it's funny because I think that I got the sense as I'm listening to Matt leave that message that like he sort of figured something like this was going to happen sooner or later. And then, yeah. and then it does. You know, I think that probably based on talking with a lot of parents in these kind of mixed families or parents where they're the parents that have left the faith of their fathers and mothers and uh, the grandparents are upset that the grandchildren are being brought up outside the faith. Um, I would say, Matt, the most important thing to focus on is not what you say to the grandfather and not what you say to the uh, uncle. It's what you say to your kid. Um, because what's even, I think, more important than saying to your kid, there is, you know, like what you believe about hell or, I mean, it sounds like the kid was sort of fiercely, that's not true. Like I know better. My mother told me different, you know, but even more important than sort of trying to share with them, you know, a six-year-old or a five-year-old version of your worldview is to say to them, you know, honey, on these kinds of questions, lots of good people think lots of different things. And your grandfather thinks it works this way and, and, and your uncle thinks this and, and that's why Johnny thinks that, you know, because that's what he's been told. And a lot of good people think that. What do you think? <laughs> you know, because it turns out that a lot of other people think differently. Dad and I think differently. And nobody really knows for sure. Nobody can prove it. You know, we have to be kind and gentle with people who think differently than we do. Um, I think that that's the most important message to give a kid is that nobody really knows for sure. And you say, but, but wait, but I want to tell them that I do know for sure. Cause I do, you know, I feel certain on this. And I go like, it doesn't serve your kid well to go into the world with that kind of certainty it, it, about, about stuff that you can't be certain about. What does serve your kid well is to go into the world with certainty that nobody knows for sure about things that nobody can know for sure. And that lots of people think differently and that really good people think differently. And you can even give your kid examples of famous people or, or notably good people that believe different things about this stuff and that believe like, like we believe. And then there are some really good people that believe like Johnny believes. And um, I think it's the most important thing you can do is set your kid up to be in a world where 
he's going to hear this stuff. And, and I think it's all, you know, I think the other thing is to go, what do you think of that hell idea? Because I mean, the interesting thing about hell is like, you don't have to explain to a kid that hell is absurd. Like <laughs> you have to fight against the idea that hell would, hell is absurd. Like it's an absurd concept that there's anything that merits eternal damnation. So you're like, what do you think hell is? Do you really think like anyone would send anybody there? Like, can you, can you imagine that? You know, and just, just let the kid expound on their own feelings on the subject and then affirm them and go like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense to me. So instead of you demanding that the kid agree with you, in a lot of cases, all you have to do is ask questions and then you can end up agreeing with the kid. And that's a lot more powerful. So John, you know, I, I, John, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you've raised a kid. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here trying to think whether for some kids that's enough about the doctrine of hell specifically, because hell is one of those insidious things that is used. And, and I mean, I know that your family was a little bit different on this because they never really threatened you with like the fear of hell very much. And that wasn't sort of a central component of the way you were no, or raised at, even or, as a Christian. Or at all. I mean, it just was never, that was never the motivation to do anything. Yeah. And I suspect that that's uh, a little bit more unusual. Yeah, it is. And so I, I do kind of wonder though about people who, you know, if this idea is around enough and if it's if it's repeated often enough, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that some people are listening who, who's, who've, who've heard this stuff at, at church, you know, the fire and brimstone preaching and the whole thing. And I just wonder if ideas like that don't sit with kids a little bit more and, and if, if something stronger is needed occasionally. I, and I don't know, I don't know what you think about that. I mean, I don't know if no, there I mean, is I, something I, that you can do. I know that they do sit with kids harder when they're put in there. Right. But I also, but, I, but like, I also know that if you just ask a kid, most kids out of the gate, you go like, so what do you think hell is? And you go like, well, it's a place where people, you know, are punished. And you go like, and how long do you think the punishment goes on? And you go like, they say forever. And you go like, huh, can you imagine that? Like a spanking that never ends? <laughs> like, like, does that make any sense to you? You know, like, like I, I, I really do think like hell, I mean, now, now, by the way, you can do that with a five-year-old. You can do that with a 55-year-old. Right. Like I've heard great comedy bits about like, you interrogate the idea of hell. It is a hard one to hold. You know, I mean, heaven is, is, sounds painful enough, <laughs> let alone, you know, <laughs> you know, like the, 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 it's, it's just absurd, you know? And so I think that I really do think that although kids will buy it if it is being sold, I think that if it is simply being explored as a possibility, they will reject it out of hand. They will go like, how mean would you have to be to do that to somebody? Like how cruel would you have to, like, like, you know, and then you like go to sleep and then you wake up and you're like, I want to go back and torture them some more. You know, like, <laughs> it just, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. No. And so, so. You know, I mean, that's hard even for the most ardent Bible believer. It's just, it's just such a great fear tactic, especially to use with kids that that's why, I mean, kids are the ones that hear the most about hell. Right. And they do internalize it to some extent, yeah. or at least I did to some extent. I know that my wife, Melissa, was sort of thinking about, you know, God watching her every move and, you know, feeling that guilt from 
a pretty young age. And I know people that haven't believed in God for 20 years, but they are still haunted by the fear. What if I'm wrong? And what if I burn forever? Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that, and, and, I, and, and then I think that flips me over to what I would say to grandpa and, uh, and uncle. And that is that what I would say to them is, is that there are things in this real world, like about, like say capital punishment or um, cancer or, you know, all, there, or what happens to refugees in other countries or torture that we don't let our kids listen to on the news. And we don't, because you go like, even though it is actually true, their young minds are not ready to handle that information yet. So we shield them from it. And I think it's really fair to say, even if your theology is dead right, like that's not an image or an understanding that a five-year-old's ready to handle. And it's our job to, you know, it's our job to, to protect them from it. And, 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 and we don't want you, like you can spend time with our kid and you can even tell them like kind of, what you believe about the nature of God, about God's loving nature. And you can say like, your parents don't believe this, but this is what I believe. Like we, we don't mind you telling them who you are. That's part of who you are. But for you to say, this is how things are mm. in the same way that you would say to them, like if you walk into traffic, you'll get hit by a car, like, or, yeah. or that fire will burn you. Like for you to put hell in that same category of these are facts that grandpa's telling you we're not okay with that. I think that's a damn good answer. I mean, it, it, it is, it's true. It's like, we don't tell kids much lesser things than hell at that age. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that one of the things that I'm often in conversation talking with people who are trying to figure out the, the rules to lay with their, their in-laws, cause they're like, well, they're going to want to give them Bible stories and they're going to want to, you know, take them to Sunday school and on all of this stuff. And we don't know if we want that. And I, I'm, I'm sort of like, if you, if that's who your parents are, um, then, you know, it's in some ways that that has to be fair game, but you have to separate out saying, this is what we believe rather than this is the way the world is. And your parents are wrong about the world. Like it's not okay to contradict a parent in terms of that, that worldview stuff. It's not okay. Now, I think if you're a secular parent, I think it's really important to let your kid know, like, this is the way we see the world. It's not the way everybody sees the world. Um, you know, and we have evidence for this, but other people have, have other reasons to believe other stuff. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think you want to give on, on these kind of matters. I don't think you want to set a kid up by going like, this is the truth and everything else is fucking madness. Because then you set them up to have bad relationships with a lot of other people. Um, but I think it's really important that you say to the Christians or the believers of any kind that are in your life, like, I don't mind you sharing your own hope or your own belief, but there are a couple of caveats here. One is you can tell them that this is what you believe, but you can't tell them that this is the way the, that this is what is true. Right, right. And you can tell them what you believe within the realm of the appropriate. But like, I, I also don't want you sharing with them what you think should happen to rapists. Cause like, I don't want them thinking about rape at five years old. Right. 
And so like, that's just inappropriate. And when you talk about eternal torture, you know what? That falls in that same category of like, that's not something I want my five-year-old to be hearing about from you or anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it comes down to instilling healthy respect for the beliefs of other people like your in-laws or whoever they might be, but also instilling healthy boundaries from a young age too. Yeah, demanding respect for your family way and say like, how would you have felt if when I was growing up, an uncle had come in and said, your parents' belief system is nonsense and they are wrong about everything. Like you would, you would have, you would have felt that was a huge violation of your parenting. And I, all I'm asking is that you, you know, show the same respect. Now, now, you know, grandpa's being really clear. He's saying like, you're teaching them falsehood and, and that's upsetting to him. But at some point that is a boundary you're able to keep, you're able to set. And, um, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I know that it has come to places in certain families where they're like, you know, the Trump card is like, if you don't respect these boundaries, you're not going to see them. Right. You know, but I know vegetarians that are like, if you're going to keep feeding them meat, you're not going to see them. Parents have that Trump card where they're like, look, you know, it's my way or the highway. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I'm sure you deal with a lot more of these uh, questions than than many people because you get a lot of people who are in situations like this come to you and maybe not explicitly the hell thing all the time but something around families or dealing with coming out or dealing with being different now or dealing with you know how to relate to religious people when you're non-religious or how to deal with christians when you're not a christian yeah i mean it, it, i mean in the you know i do this kind of counseling coaching stuff you know, with people all over the place on Skype. And I would say that, you know, fully half of it is people trying to navigate relation, their relationships with believing friends and family members yeah. and spouses and trying to figure out like, how does this work? And so I do, I think about this stuff a lot. And, and, and this parent thing, I mean, it's funny, my, one of my closest friends, you know, his parents used to have their kids for a week during the summer and they would pray with them before bed every night and they would pray for daddy that he would come back to Jesus so that they would be able to be with together with him in heaven and they wouldn't be separated from him forever when they died like i mean like and and these were nice people like these were nice a nice family that i know you know and and that was you know routine and it was really difficult for him to navigate how to talk to his his in-laws about that and um, so, so this is, this is not easy stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I keep coming back in my mind to what to do about the hell thing specifically, because it is such an unusual doctrine. And it's weird because it's like, there are many other things that your kid could come to you and ask mommy, daddy, is this thing real? And you would just go, no, of course not. It's ridiculous. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, is there a monster in my closet? No, there's, there's right. no monster in your closet. But the difference is that grandma doesn't believe in the monster in the closet for the most part either. Right, right. And so you're not, you're never going to have that conflict and you're never going to have to deal with that dissonance between you and the other family members. It's, yeah, it's an odd one. It's a, it's weird. Yeah. And, and again, like, I think the thing to teach kids growing up is, uh, uh, you know, first of all, I think you do want to tell them that there are a lot of things that we didn't used to know. 
until we came up with this stuff called evidence. You know, I mean, I have a friend who's away at, at this camp called Camp Quest this week. He's being a counselor at Camp Quest. Camp Quest is this secular camp um, where they teach kids critical thinking and science. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's for little kids and stuff. And they have like the Socrates Cafe where they, they you know, they, they sort of do that kind of, um, what's that Socratic method teaching about stuff. And they yeah. get kids to answer. That's but, so cool. Oh, it's a really cool program. Um, and I, I, they're all over. The, I mean, they have them all over the country. It's, you know, you could go to campquest.org um, and find it. Um, I think that one of the things that they try to teach kids at Camp Quest is not just, hey, here's how evidence works or here's how we found out what germs were or here's how you know here's what people used to think about lightning and here's what we think about it now and here's how we figured it out you know but to sort of show them that you know that the things we're the surest of we're the surest of because we have lots of evidence and then there are these other things that we like we sort of think we know like about quarks and black holes and we have a lot of evidence but like there's still, you know, we thought it worked this way and then somebody finds some new evidence that works this way, like to teach them how science works. Because science isn't just like how you get a good grade in that class. Science is how human beings figure stuff out. And to, to talk about that, because I think what you want to do is you want to instill in kids a respect for experimentation, observation, evidence, you know, um, checking things twice, you know, um, you want to instill for them a respect for how we figure things out so that they can spot it when somebody's telling them something that they think, but that they don't know for sure. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And I guess, uh, maybe spending less time on refuting hell and more time on instilling good sort of evidence-based ways of thinking. Yeah, and, and might and be it, the best investment. I think it is, and and again, I also think it is like, hey, and if we went to, you know, Johnny believes in God, and that like seems to be the, uh, you know, in Jesus, and that seems to be like the Plan B or the other alternative in this family. But you know, there's also Plan C in Afghanistan. Most people believe this, and then there's Plan D. You know, and in the Buddhists believe this, like. And, and and the weird thing you say is like, but wait a second, Bart, if you arrange all those religions on a shelf next to each other, it's going to be really clear that like, they're all just like people make up different stories in different parts of the world. And I go like, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing for your kid to know. <laughs> so if, if you sometimes, if you spend a lot of time refuting Christianity in particular, you, you elevate it. Like it's like Democrat or Republican. It's the other major party. And I think it's probably much healthier to go like, you know what? There's a lot of different stories out there. That's just, you know, that's just one of them. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I think it's, I think instilling in a kid a respect for how we figure things out, touching on their instinctive common sense about some of the stuff in religion that just seems weird. Like, you know, even when people say like Jesus rose from the dead, you just sort of go like, do, you know, have you ever seen a dead mouse? Have you ever seen a dead bug? Like, do you think things rise from the dead? You know, to, to, like, how, does that, does that make sense to you? Because I've never seen it happen. And, and so like, I could be wrong. I mean, you know, there's a first time for everything, but 
the reason I don't think it happens is because I've seen a lot of living things die and I've never seen any one of them come back. So, so for me, I think you just want to, you want to emphasize that we're all, we're all people trying to figure it out. And this is the way that mom and I figure things out or dad and I think figure things out and grandpa and grandma, like there's reasons why they believe that stuff. And I just, I think you really want to honor other people's reasons for holding their beliefs, which is different than giving credence to the belief itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really useful. And specifically with regard to talking to the, the, the uncle or the grandpa or whatever, um, just to reiterate on that, you don't think that some big confrontational approach is necessary here. You know, I, I don't, I don't. I, and, and what's more is I don't think it's healthy. I like, again, it might, it might be emotionally satisfying for you to, to put that person down or to put them in their place. But like, remember the reason we're, we're talking about this in the first place is because of your little kid and we're trying to make the best life for your little kid. And you know what? Grandma matters. Grandpa may matter his cousin matters. And so, mm -hmm. you know, winning that argument isn't nearly as important as, as making that point that these are people we can love, even though they see the world differently than us. Yeah. And I suppose there's not a whole lot they can do about the fact that this cousin is another kid. No, that's, that's kid yeah. stuff. That's kid stuff. But again, like, what do you do when your kid comes home saying something about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or anything else? You know, you try to arm them with, on the one hand, an understanding, like, you know, that's what his mom and dad are telling him. He, he's not saying that to be mean. He's not saying that because he hates you. He's saying that because that's what he's been being told at home. And, and that's how kids, you know, we all grow up sort of learning from our parents. And the weird thing is that different parents see things differently. And so, you know, you don't want to take it out on that little kid. Well, and there is an idea, I think, among parents, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, Bart, but I, I've definitely noticed that I think parents tend to feel like every little thing that they say or do will sort of land with some permanence on their kid. You know, and, and that kid will be the result of that exclusively going on. And what you find out over time is, of course, that, you know, people do develop in very different ways and they don't end up necessarily reflecting a whole lot of what their childhood uh, beliefs or, or, yeah, I mean, or environment I mean, was. let's not kid ourselves. Like, it's, it's important what you say and do with your kid. But I think what's important to realize is that no one conversation usually is, is as determinative as what the preponderance of conversations is, you know? And so you can make a mistake and you come back and go like, Hey, that thing I said yesterday, I said it wrong. Like what I meant was this, or like, remember when I told you that? Like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. You know, it's, yeah. you know, the kids are resilient, not just physically, but they're resilient sort of intellectually and emotionally. And you can, you know, the, the important thing is to keep the conversation going. And then, and then not to say you're wrong, but to say like, you know, I can see how you could feel that way. Um, I, I think differently, but you know what? As you grow up, you're going to talk to a lot of different people and you're going to figure out what's true. And you say, well, no, you don't want to tell them that anyone could be right but you. And I go like, you know, what's interesting is, is that the more open you are to them hearing other opinions, the more they're going to go like, gosh, my parents are uncommonly confident. 
<laughs> yeah. They are really secure that like they're not afraid of me hearing other ideas, which of course, you know, L- little Johnny, his cousin growing up in that family, terrified of them hearing other ideas. Right. You know, right. that's why they teach him like refute any other idea that you hear. Do not countenance it, you know? And, and, and so right. you go like, but what's interesting is, is that kids grow up reading that insecurity and, 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 and conversely, they'll grow up reading your, ins- your, your security. And so if you can sort of go like, listen, let's just keep looking. Let's just keep asking questions. Let's just keep looking at the evidence. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll come to a good conclusion. Um, I think that's, that's yeah. people only talk like that when they're pretty sure they're on the right track. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, I think we did cut to the the meat of it uh, fairly quickly. What do you think about the relationship between the guy asking the question, Matt, and these other family members who clearly like he's not very happy with, you know, let alone the child? Like, the, it seems to me this could be pretty oh, difficult yeah. stuff to navigate on Thanksgiving. Oh, gosh, it's difficult to navigate all year long. Um, mm-hmm. But again, as a parent, you got, you, you know, you have to sort of assert your boundaries to raise your kid the way you want. But you also have to say like, I don't, I I want my kid to know you for who you really are. Like, I want them to know you and, and like your faith is a part of your life. And I want them to see that people of faith like you are wonderful in the way that you're wonderful. If, uh, you know, that's if the people are wonderful. Now, if, if your uncle or your grandparent are, are, are mean, if they're, ignorant or unkind or unwilling to listen or, you know, or bullying. I think that, that then you're in, you know, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about politics, religion, or just like which football team is best. Like we have to teach our kid and we have to protect our kid from bullies in the family. Yeah. And teach them how to, how we cope with bullies. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, the main thing here is to recognize that, for a parent, it's important on the one hand to assert your parental rights and on the other hand, not to make, not, not to use this kind of a, of an incident as an occasion to get into a full blown who's right about God conversation, because that's, you know, that's a conversation that if you have it at all, you want to have it on its own terms and without the heat of people protecting their kids and, and all of that. I would love to hear what other people who have faced this problem have done and how it worked out. Like I, like, cause somebody is this, this question happened five years ago and they took a tack and I'd love to hear how that worked out. Okay. Okay. And we'll talk about some of those responses if they come in the next jam session. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thanks to you, Matt, for calling it in. And, uh, and we'll catch you next time on Humanize Me. For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. To leave a question in your own voice to be used in future shows, call the Humanize Me Q-Line at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. Humanize Me is a production of Jax Media. Hey, you could be larger than life.